All right, Gordon, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, joining us now, longtime player for the Utah Jazz, NBA All-Star Mark Eaton with us on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys today? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, hopefully everybody's well, you and yours. How has this uh, situation been for you and your family? Uh, well, we spent a lot of time at home, <laughs> watched a lot of movies, ate a lot of soup. Uh, other than that, we're good. You know, just uh, hunkered down like everybody else. But hopefully, uh, we're getting to the uh, getting to the end of this, so we can start getting out a little bit more. I'd be interested in hearing a recommendation from Mark Eden on a great movie to watch. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well. Last night we watched one that was just kind of a fun movie. It's called uh, 100 Feet, and it's a story of an Indian family that moves from uh, London to France, and the son is a chef, and they move right across the street 100 feet from a Michelin star French restaurant with a hoity-toity owner, and it's a, uh, it's a pretty good story. 100 Feet. Okay. All right. Mark, what was it like to be uh, featured there in The Last Dance, the docuseries that uh, has us all kind of captivated? Well, I, I had recorded it, and then uh, I was doing something else that night, and all of a sudden my phone just starts lighting up like, uh, <laughs> hey, great job on uh, you know the, the Last Dance. I'm like, what? And uh, so apparently I was the one soundbite that set up the... Uh, the whole thing so <laughs> uh, it was kind of fun it was kind of fun to, to see it and then uh, it's been fun to kind of like relive retro basketball uh, through that series and and everything else because uh, a lot of a lot of sports writers don't have a lot to write about so today I showed up in the Las Vegas Review Journal and they were talking about the Jazz and Kareem and the home games back there back in the day and so um, retro basketball has been really good for my PR <laughs> For uh, from your vantage point, Mark, on the court, uh, how great was Michael Jordan as far as just his presence on on the floor? Well, I think you see it in the documentary that you know when he wanted to do something and he wanted to take over the game, there wasn't a whole lot you can do about it. And I think the most amazing thing playing against him was that he was that good that you found yourself watching him during the game, even while you're out there saying, did I just see that? Did that just really happen? Uh, because you consider how great all the NBA players are. And Larry Bird, you know, talked about this uh, in, in episode three or four, where he said, you know, there's a lot of great shooters in the NBA. And then there's Michael Jordan. And it's just a whole cut above. And to, uh, to play at that level night after night against that competition where every road game is the other team's biggest game of the year is just nothing short of remarkable. And uh, that's, that's the most amazing thing to me. And they did it night after night after night. Looking at this it, uh, this docuseries, it just shows how the NBA game has evolved, how different it is today uh, than it was back then. And certainly the most noticeable difference to me is how physical the games were then. Uh, do you think uh, today's NBA game is missing a little bit of that? Well, you know, it's it's changed. And um, I don't know, for, for better or for worse, I mean, obviously uh, you can't, you can't argue with the uh, the numbers that are that, that, that the league has put up the last uh, the last few years and and the salaries and everybody seems to be much healthier for it. But I I kind of miss the um, 
hold on a second. My dog is like barking like crazy. Hey, this is live radio, baby. Hey, <laughs> enough. Um, but I, you know, so but I, I missed the the physicality of the of those years, and it was kind of fun to you know relive those even. So you kind of look at some of the hard fouls and stuff like, well, we did play kind of rough back then. Um, so that part is uh, maybe it's for the better for the longevity of players, but it was certainly a lot more fun back then, I think, than the, than the, the game now I enjoy watching, and I think that the talent and everybody's great, but I kind of miss the, the pushing and the shoving and the getting each other's face and all that stuff that we that was just a regular part of the game back then. Mark, as a player on one team, are you aware of the the inner locker room drama that goes on on other teams? It seems like that's been documented in this quite a bit, where there are either disputes between a player and management or teammates or players on other teams. Are you aware of all that? Oh, you know, you hear bits and pieces of it, and, and each team is unique based on its own ownership of the management, but... I think that the series done a nice job of portraying what it's really like in the locker room, what day-to-day life is like for an NBA player. And yes, there is, there are contract things going on, and guys get traded, and and there's, you know, little tiffs between players from time to time because it's a it's a big family, and um, you know, there's there's I think it's just been very interesting to see kind of the attitude of Jerry Krause and stuff, and and uh, I mean, who tells a guy that's won you know four championships uh yeah you're out of here this year we're going to go a different direction um it's just mind-boggling at a certain extent and and the other side of it is just that you know some some people who are not players who are in management see it from a whole different standpoint that it's not about the team it's about the whole organization and so it's interesting to watch that back and forth between the two of them and and yeah that is that's what it's like and you know, it is a job, and you do work for somebody, and they have complete control over whether you play or not and, and whether you stay with the team or not, and, and it all has to fit together somehow. Mark Eaton with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What's your take on Phil Jackson, Mark? Would you have liked to play for him? I, I think so. I mean, I don't know if I would have fit into a system, but, you know, I, I figure I'd, I could have fit in as well as some of the other guys they had playing the five spot there, but... Uh, yeah, he was a player's coach, and that was clear. And, and he, the objective was winning. And he, I, I like the, the kind of even keel that he always maintained as a coach, uh, which maybe he learned as a player growing up. Uh, uh, that um, you know, he was one to not always call an immediate timeout and let guys kind of figure it out out there and let the game come together based on the player's um, commitment to the competition and, and, and to winning. And so I, I think it would have been fun to play for that in that style again, but um, we, you know, we had a great time here, so I have no complaints. So Mark, were you a front of the plane guy who was playing cards for like uh, $10,000 a hand or, or, or I guess that was in the back or were you in the front with the $1 hand games go on. I was in the I was in the one dollar crew, yeah. Um <laughs> you know, we had a little of that go on with the team and, and early in my career, uh well, you know, it was like like John Drew, um, 
you know, he was a big card player in the early 80s and big gambler. And, you know, he took some rookies' money in the back of the bus. And it's, it can be um, a divisive thing because if uh, guys get in there and they start playing for too much money and somebody loses a lot, uh, it can make for a long road trip. And, uh, and then guys get a little, uh, you know, there's little conflicts going on between the, the players that can sometimes boil over on the court where I don't pass you the ball or something like that because of, you know, what you did to me last night on the bus or on the back of the plane. And so the coaches, our coaching staff was always – Kind of, you know, they're pretty cognizant of what was going on and and stayed on top of it. And if it got to be out of hand, they're like, guys, okay, cool it off. That's enough of that. Like, no more cards for a week or so, and let everything settle back down. Was uh, you know back in that day, were relationships amongst players on opposite teams? Well, I guess let, let me put it this way. Uh, you know, today's day and age seems like everybody's buddies. They all grew up playing AAU together, and everybody's really friendly. Uh, but it seems like watching this di- documentary, nobody liked Isaiah Thomas, for example. But it didn't seem like everybody was buddies. Is that true, or is that just kind of back-in-my-day type of stuff? Yeah, it, it, that era in the 80s and early 90s, uh, it was uh, most coaches did not like the fact that you had friends on other teams. They didn't want you fraternizing or hanging out with other players and I was told that a few times during my career uh, and um, you know and, and yeah it's a different thing now but but guys back then still had had played on uh, you know the McDonald's open together in high school or they played against each other in college or might have been college teammates and so there were friendships out there uh, but the team generally uh, they, they frowned on that stuff I mean, Pat Riley had a big law a big rule against that uh, and, and our coaching staff did to to an extent, uh, but some teams were just adamant about that. And you know, if you knocked a guy down on the other team, like don't pick him up, like just leave him there. I mean, that's just that was just kind of the attitude back then. And and uh, now people are trading jerseys. Which you know, some of the guys that, that played in my era look at that and go, like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, uh, if there had been uh, a documentary produced in your final season, call it the last waltz or the last. Polka, whatever dance, rumba, whatever dance you like. Uh, what would that story be like? Uh, well, you know, I, I think that our team was in a was in a good place um, when I left, and uh, yeah, we still, you know, we had our playoff struggles here or there, but in general, I thought the the franchise was in a good place. I thought the management was was good and fair, and and uh, uh, so I had no complaints about how things. Finished up, finished up for me. I think my my one regret was that ninety that that ninety two season. I guess was the year before I retired. Um, when we went, we played the uh, Blazers in the Western Conference Finals, and and we were so close, and we'd beaten the Bulls twice that year in the regular season. And they were talking about that last night. You know, when when uh, Michael Jordan just said, "Hey, I'm going after Clyde Drexler," and and just took him apart. Um, and that. That particular season for me, I thought our team was was gelling at the right time, and we just couldn't get get past the the, boat, the Blazers that year. David Benoit's father passed away that week, and he was the one guy that did a great job guarding uh, Clyde, and um, and you know, and they and they beat us in that in that seven game series, and that was a that was kind of a regretful summer for me because I thought, man, we were so close to getting to the finals, and and just couldn't get over the hump. 
Mark Eden is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, again, watching this documentary, Mark, it's, it's interesting how petty Michael Jordan was. I mean, we all knew how good he was and that uh, he was the best player in the league, certainly over the majority of his career, but it seemed like he could create a slight out of anything. Is that common? Uh, I guess is that common amongst these highly competitive NBA players? Is that unique to Michael? <laughs> Well, I think that speaks to his competitive nature. And, and I think all guys that, that can play at that level um, all have their little idiosyncrasies and, and uh, you know, personality um, quirks, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, Carl Malone had his, John had his, we all had them. And you spend seven days a week together for, you know, the better part of six or seven months and you get to know each other and, and, and the competition is intense and the scrutiny is intense, especially in, in MJ's case. And it's like, where did he go to, to let off some steam while well, he played golf or, you know, sat on his, in his hotel room smoking cigars. But, uh, you know, it comes out in various ways. And, 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 it, and uh, so it is kind of like this family that's uh, sequestered together for a long period of time and, and little, little stuff becomes big stuff. I, I, that that point that you were just talking about there really hit me last night as I was watching that, Mark, because he couldn't – the second he left his hotel room, people would, would seek him out and notice him. And you can probably relate to that on a lot of levels. I mean, it's not like Mark Eaton can walk through a, a bus station or an airport or anywhere else without everybody turning and looking. What is that like? And, and can, I guess the average person would have a hard time relating to that. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's different. I mean, you, you always know, even if you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you run down to the you know the the, the corner uh, convenience store for some ice cream. Somebody's going to see you there and have a something to say, or you know, tell you about it later on. And so, you're always mindful of that when you leave the house, and that never goes away. Uh, but I think for MJ, it was on a whole other level. I mean, you saw the people in the, you know, in the hotels and and outside the arenas and inside the arenas, and the, and even people that even the security people are asking them for autographs and pictures and things like that. But and uh, I don't know how he handles it. I mean, it was just it's mind-boggling. And uh, and a, a couple years ago, he was here in the summer for a while, and um, and I took him down to our restaurant uh, for dinner, and and I said, well, why you know why are you hanging? He was here. He, he bought a house here in Park City. For, he had it here for a few years. And I said, well, why do you like it here? And he goes, well, it's the one place I can go to the grocery store and, and not and be bothered. He goes, my brother and I went to the grocery store at Kimball Junction. He said it was the first time in 20 years he'd gone to the grocery store. And that really struck me because I was like, well, I go to the grocery store all the time. And, you know, I don't get bugged too much. But I'm, for him, that'd be a whole different deal. And so uh, I was like, wow, it is. That is a whole different level of, of, of not having any kind of private life that most people don't even think about. If you were having dinner with him, what's he like, Mark, would to sit down and talk to and just shoot the bull? What, what's Michael Jordan like? He's, he's competitive. It's, you know, it's, he's just, um, he's, he's pretty wound up. So he's a great guy. Um, and, you know, we had a good, a good time. And, you know, I don't see him frequently, but occasionally. Um, he's a pretty wound up guy and he hangs out with people that are pretty competitive and, you know, business leaders and stuff like that. And but we still had a lot of fun. It was good. 
Mark Eaton with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Mark, you uh, you talk to a lot of companies out there. Uh, you talk uh, about teamwork uh, to a lot of folks. And uh, just curious as to your take on on how we're behaving as a community, because it's it's really we're all on the same team, right? It, it takes teamwork to to figure a way through this. Do you have any thoughts on on all of us being teammates? Well, uh, I think in general we've done a pretty good job of, of you know, following the quote-unquote directives of, of staying home and letting this thing pass. And um, uh, and I hope that things will be able to get back to some semblance of normality here shortly. Uh, I hope this thing is with us for a long period of time. Uh, and but I, I think that people are getting to the point now where it's like, okay, we've we've done our two months. Uh, let's you know, let's get things rolling again here. And I think the governments and various states, including ours, are starting to recognize that, and the threat is diminishing to a certain degree. But everybody's got to continue to be mindful of it. Um, it's. It's challenging, but I think from a team standpoint, everybody's doing uh, doing a, a really good job, and um, I, I just don't know how much we can keep doing it. Mark, you, you mentioned that you uh, asked MJ about why he uh, came to Utah. Why, why did you stay in Utah? That's not all that common amongst jazz players, but you've uh, made it your home. Uh, how so? Why so? Well, I think when I was finishing my career, and, and number one, I never anticipated staying here for my whole career. I mean, you know, you go into the league and you think, well, you'll bop around and play backup center here, do a few things there, and make a little money. And um, and so the fact that the team stuck with me uh, when I knew they had chances to trade me or move me, and and uh, and together we we had a good run. Uh, meant a lot to me, and and uh, the and Utah was uh, the people were great, and I enjoyed the the you know the the out of doors and and I moved to park the Park City area in 1983 and I've been here ever since and um, it's just a, a nice place to be I love going down to Salt Lake and and um, I wanted I wanted to get you know where my kids going to grow up and moving back to Southern California just didn't really sound that attractive uh, and so um, that's why I opted to stay here and and then we got the businesses going and everything else and. Never look back, and this is home. Speaking of those businesses, uh, what's uh, what's going on right now with Tus- uh, Tuscany? Are you guys, uh, uh, you know, coming back slowly, we, or what's the deal? We uh, we opened up uh, last Friday, nice. and uh, you know, with all the regulations and everything, and it was interesting. We had a pretty good response from people coming in. Where I was a little concerned, like, yeah, come on and sit down. We'll serve you with some rubber gloves and a mask and disinfect your table. That sounds appealing. Um, <laughs> but in but in reality, people were so anxious to get out that they came, and uh, and we're still doing a, a fairly good takeout business every night as well. So we're kind of a hybrid at the moment, but. Uh, we're just playing it day by day, and it's been interesting with staffing and uh, and the whole thing, just trying to pull it back together and make it work. Um, and you know, thank goodness we're, we've been able to, to hang on to our key people and, and through all this, and and, uh, and and we'll get through it. But there's a lot of small businesses that that will not make it, and I feel terrible for them, and because because it's just been such a such a challenging thing and uh for uh, everybody in the service industry but we're we're doing good we're there and uh, got a new uh, wedding venue across the street we're going to be opening up here in another month or so and and franks uh, opens on Friday. Uh, and uh, so we've been we've been doing all right and we're there and you know come see us 
How long, Mark, before you'll be able to go back out and, and do your speaking? You know, it's going to be a while. I've had most everybody. Uh, the, the good news is nobody has canceled the meeting yet, but everybody has postponed things until late fall next year. So a dry spell here, I think, probably until uh, September, October. So got to come up with some other things to do. Well, Mark, we appreciate you dropping by the show. And uh, if you're looking for something to do, come on with us more often. <laughs> Anytime, call me up. I'm, uh, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Okay, guys. Take care. The great Mark Eaton with us here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Fun to, to check in with Mark. How about Mark? He, he says uh, it's not as fun without the, the pushing and shoving and uh, John. <laughs> I like that. that. That was good. That sounds like a big man, doesn't it? It does. Yep. And how would you like it to have uh, Michael Jordan call you up and say, hey, uh, let's go out and get something to eat? Huh? That'd be cool. Right? Wouldn't you just want to, like uh, with, with Mark and Michael Jordan, wouldn't you just want to sit there at the table and just be quiet? Like, I'll just, I'll just hang out over here. You guys do your thing. Well, I guess it helps if, uh, if you own the restaurant. I, I suppose it does. But how about that, that, uh, that Michael uh, Jordan liked it here because he could go to the store, go to the grocery store. I'm sure those simple things are, are not common in his, uh, in his life because of who he is. That's yeah. an interesting comment on, on our, our uh, community. Right. Uh, I'll reiterate that point that Mark was talking about for him to to have uh, gathered and garnered that kind of attention everywhere he goes. uh, The second he leaves the hotel room and then on top of all the attention he gets and all the demands on his time and all the endorsement and all the other stuff he's got going on for him to have to step out on that court and uh, perform like everybody expects Michael Jordan to perform. That is, that has to take a huge toll on the human, on the human being. Well, I, how did he? How did he put it in the in the documentary where he said people want to know what it's like to be Michael Jordan for a day? Try it out yeah. for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when he said that, I thought, yeah, everybody wants to be fam- thinks they want to be famous and rich and prominent and all that stuff. You just think you do. I'm I'm, I'm not sure that everybody would really be well suited to handle that, and obviously. He, it was a struggle for him at times, but he was able to uh, perform the way he did. Uh, but I bet that's true of Mark, too. I mean, Mark, everywhere Mark goes, you tell me people aren't looking at Mark. Oh, yeah, you notice him. I, I've told this story a number of times. I went to a, a concert up at Red Butte Garden, uh, Gordon, in that uh, concert venue, which is just wonderful. And uh, Mark had a spot uh, up uh, up closer to the stage, and I was kind of toward the back. And you'd go, wow, Mark Eden's here. <laughs> you know, there's there's probably like what six seven thousand people at the at a concert like that, and it's like you could pick Mark out, no problem. You just bet Mark's here. Yep, there he it's is. Pretty wild, and everybody looks, and everybody notices, and everybody takes note of it. And in this day and age, everybody has cameras on their phones, and everyone has social media, and it's it. Uh, I uh, Michael Jordan probably still experiences this uh, most places, maybe not in Park City, but most places. And uh, people taking your picture and, and taking note of what you're doing, observing, watching. It's, it is, uh, I imagine, even for someone who's been used to it for a long, long time, somewhat unnerving.